Welcome to Sunshine State Takes, everybody. It is Matt McConnell alongside my partner, Brandon Carroll. We're happy to be on the air. We couldn't get an episode out last week. We've probably had what was our most brutal technical difficulties since starting this show. It got to the point where we couldn't even make it through the episode. We've never really had anything like that before. So, uh, you know, we took our L and, we, you know, on to Cincinnati, on to the next week. Here we are. Um, we're, we're ready. We're coming back. We'll have an episode out today as well with another episode out on Friday. So making up for some lost time here a little bit, but Brandon, how are you doing? Um, what, what's been going on? How, how, how have you, what have you been up to during the little hiatus that, uh, we we've taken? Well, first of all, uh, Matt mentioned our technical difficulties. We had about, uh, I'd say like 20 minutes of the show done. So we yeah. were, we were reaching the home stretch cause it was going to be a a smaller show a shorter show and uh we just he kind of went black and uh we couldn't figure out how to get back into it and so as always uh you know we tried and we did everything we could but um we were just unable to continue forward and uh it sucked because i thought what we had what we had already recorded was pretty solid material however we're back again today i just got back yesterday from jacksonville i spent the weekend there with my mom and some friends so that was really good and today i've kind of just been lazy and i need to well for the most part i had uh i've done an assignment today but for the most part i've kind of just sat around and done nothing so um you know it is what it is i'm happy to be back like matt said on the airways and get ready for a great show yeah nothing wrong with lazy days man i've been doing pretty much the same i went picked up some firehouse so nice i had firehouse when i came back just enjoying the day. It never, it never fails. Yeah. It literally hasn't failed once. <laughs> um, so I firehouse, I'm a big fan. I'm guessing you are too. Yes. Uh, very but, big uh, fan. That's our firehouse segment. Maybe they'll reach out to us. That's what not, I'm thinking. But... So right now <laughs> what I'm thinking is firehouse should definitely reach their hand out to get to sponsor us. Um, as yeah. we, as you know, cause I didn't realize not... we were both big firehouse fans. I think it's, uh, they're based out of Jacksonville. I'm pretty yeah. sure they live on the river, so we could probably find a way to. I'm actually checking my email right now to see. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding, but, uh, so today we got, uh, we're going to talk about some boxing. Uh, we're going to talk about JJ Watt. We're going to talk about the NBA and we're going to talk some college basketball. It's going to be a great show and uh, we're going to get right into it after our intro song. Yeah. Brought to you by Firehouse. No, oh. just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No. We are not sponsored. <laughs> All right.
Welcome back to Sunshine State Takes. My name is Brandon Carroll. This is Matt McConnell, and you are listening to the podcast that is now sponsored by Firehouse Subs. Uh, <laughs> unofficially. Unofficially sponsored by Firehouse <laughs> Subs. We each uh, really, yeah. That, I think we, we kind of discussed uh, during the little break that we had. We're going to make that a running joke. I think we're yeah. just going to. It's going to be something we kind of come back to from time to time. I can tell you right now, they're sponsoring my stomach right now. (laughs) They're living rent-free in there. So, um, Uh, you know, probably we'll see what happens. But, yeah, sponsored by Firehouse Subs here at uh, Sunshine State Takes. We're turning a new page. You know, we changed our intro music recently, and now we got ourselves a little unofficial sponsor. So (laughs) we're making our way up the ladder. A sponsor that we (laughs) created ourselves. (laughs) We are also sponsored by Dan Campbell. Yes, indeed. Unofficially. Actually, indeed. officially. I think we're officially sponsored by Dan Campbell. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are a Dan Campbell show here. Exactly. Uh, a true alpha knows when it's time to concede. So <laughs> I believe that's the tweet I sent you the other day with the yep. quote from yep. Dan Campbell in it. Um, so, yeah, Dan Campbell show. But uh, uh, we are going to get started like usual. Yep. But um, Matt, I, I could throw it to you, I guess. Or I, if you no, want to throw it to me. Then. Yeah, I, I'll throw it to you. Matt, what's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, so um, over the weekend, uh, Canelo Alvarez got in the ring over there in Miami. You don't really see boxing matches in Miami that often, but uh, that's where this uh, Canelo Alvarez and Abney Yildrum fight took place. And I just want to talk about kind of the the beatdown and the the butt whooping that uh, Canelo Alvarez put on on Yildrum on Saturday night. This fight wasn't close, and one of the things about Alvarez is when he's locked in, his defense is top tier. I think I think he's one of the better defensive boxers. And um, Yildrum was kind of just a standing statue during this fight. He didn't do much. He wasn't throwing many punches. And uh, Alvarez was just, you know, taking advantage of it. He was swinging consistently and hitting on everything. And at the beginning of the third round, he hit Yildrum with a cross and knocked him down. Uh, and uh, Yildrum was able to get back up and finish out the third round. But um, – you know, by the by the end of the third round, the fight was discontinued. They couldn't go any any longer. And uh, what I read about this fight was that um, that Yildrum was like the mandatory like opponent. So Alvarez like had to fight him. I'm not sure the exact specifics, but like it, it was he had to go up against him in order to like keep his standings and division or what something along those lines. I was reading an article about it. So and you could tell, like you could tell, this was more so something that uh, Alvarez kind of just had to do. And get out of the way because uh Yildrum didn't really look like he belonged in the ring with Canelo Alvarez. So uh a good butt whooping there, not close at all. Third round knockout. I mean, it, there wasn't that highlight knockout punch, but um he just wore him down. He was able to wear him down in nine minutes and the fight was over after that. And I was thinking about the fight I watched the previous weekend, Oscar Valdez and Miguel Burchell. That was another fight that was a bit of a you know one-sided butt whooping where uh, Oscar Valdez, the underdog, really just got the best of Burchell for most of the fight. But Burchell was still able to keep himself composed and get that fight into the later rounds. That was a knockout in the 11th round at the bell. Uh, Valdez landed a hook and uh, knocked Burchell down to the ground cold. We actually, Loki, kind of thought he died. We were watching it at my house, me and my dad and my brother. We were kind of scared for a second. I don't know if you saw the highlight from that one. but um, uh, And I think that just goes to... I think it kind of speaks volume because sometimes when you're getting beat around in boxing a little bit, you're still able to keep yourself up. You're still able to keep that composure and at least get that fight into the later rounds. 
but Yildrim wasn't able even able to do that. He had to tap out after the third round. So um, I, I was just amazed watching that fight and uh, just just how good Alvarez looked and how on point he was with everything and you know just how one sided it was. I feel like that's just not something you see very often in boxing, especially when it's a you know a, a higher level or a higher ranked match. So I think at the end of the day, Canelo's just that dude. Yeah, he's he's that guy that's gonna make it seem like it's easy. You know, right. even if he's facing off against someone that is close to being, uh, you know, as, as in a similar talent. I mean, the really, really the only person I've seen him kind of just get picked apart against is Floyd Mayweather. I mean, right. Canelo was not ready for Floyd in the least. And, you know, people want to say like, oh, Floyd, you know, he, it, the, the whole thing leading up to it is, oh, Canelo has a chance because Floyd is, you know, he's starting to reach the peak. And then afterward... Or, like, he's starting to kind of flow down from the peak. And um, afterward, it was, oh, Canelo's too young. Well, Canelo's still put together some solid performances. Um, He's, you know, I I think it's kind of just overall, uh, I've kind of lost my train of thought here. But anyways, I think from that fight, we've seen Canelo start to rebuild himself. And he's been able to... uh, once again showcase why he's considered one of the top boxers uh, yeah. in in the sport and so i think that on saturday night was just kind of his exclamation point of like yo i'm i'm still here like right i'm still i'm still that dude and he is and he, I, he's incredible whenever he gets i don't really him. think you can knock a guy for losing to mayweather no 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 you I can't mean, you can't but i'm right. saying like in general like i, I was kind of yeah. using that to say like this guy is something different I, right. I mean, the if the only guy that he's kind of lost to, and albeit pretty badly, I mean, it wasn't really close in general. Floyd just kind of put him to rest. But for it to be the guy that is widely considered and probably will be considered in a few years, one of the the best boxer of all time, simply the 50-0 record, um, you know, uh, an upcoming bout with Logan Paul. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah. You can't get better it's, than that. Uh... We still don't. I I still don't think we have an update on when no, that fight's don't. supposed to we happen, don't. which unfortunate. It really stinks. It was supposed to be, you know, if everything had gone according to plan, we would have already talked about the aftermath on the show yeah. already. But uh, Floyd would have danced around for a few rounds. Logan yeah. would have acted like he did something early, and then Floyd would have made him look like an idiot in round like I feel like six. I feel like it probably w- will go very similar to when McGregor and Mayweather fought. I, nah, McGregor, I mean, I don't well, think, I don't only, think, I don't think, so we have only, to realize that McGregor yeah. is a skilled striker. That's what he's right. done his entire career. Yeah. Logan Paul picked up boxing just a few years ago. You don't go yeah. against the guy that's been able to rule boxing in the way that Floyd Mayweather has and be able to beat yeah. him through eight rounds. Cause well, the going only, into the round, only I, I was just saying was, going into round nine, McGregor was winning that fight. I don't think we look at it the same and yeah. say, say that Logan well, Paul is winning this fight going into those rounds. Yeah, I I didn't necessarily think that McGregor held it together for that long. I was kind of oh, thinking going into round nine, he was up. Rewatch it. I'm telling you, he was winning the I fight. I need up to, to rewatch it. It was close. I mean, I I was kind of thinking like Logan Paul might be able to come out and maybe get around early because he'll probably be hot headed and you know just go all in. But yeah. after rounds one or two, or you know maybe three, if uh, Logan Paul juices up before the fight. <laughs> He he uh he might be able to take a couple, but I don't see it being. But yes, I do need to go back and rewatch 
that Mayweather McGregor fight because it's been a while. I mean, yeah. what was that fight? Twenty seventeen? It was a something like that. It, it was a while ago, but because no. um, McGregor was yeah. going, there are a few McGregor going. while McGregor had the gas in his tank, which was until about round eight, he was kind of getting after Floyd, and obviously Floyd yeah. plays the defensive, and he knew that he'd get a shot to be able to knock out McGregor the way he did, but he was playing the defensive and McGregor was still finding ways to get after him. And I, yeah. I think outside of the, the few, um, I, I mean, it's not really important to get into like the whole, um, low blow, no, no low blow right. controversy or whatever. But up until that point, I think it was McGregor, uh, McGregor's fight to lose. And, you know, ultimately yeah. he did. So true. But yeah, true. we'll see. The Hopefully day, we get a date. Yeah. Hopefully we get a date for this uh, Mayweather-Paul fight because I'm looking forward to it. But um, yeah, End of the day, it's else? still a guy that's been training in mixed martial arts for years right. compared to a guy that's done YouTube until yep. what, 2018 when he fought another YouTuber. Like, come on. Yep. Come <laughs> His, uh, definitely one of the more eventful careers, but yeah. not, not one that I take very seriously. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have anything else to add, but nah. um, what do you got? Uh, I am venturing in to the NFL where a big announcement was just made considering one of, if not the biggest free agent on the market for the 2021 offseason. And that is none other than the new Arizona Cardinals defensive end, J.J. Watt. He will be pairing up with Chandler Jones for the Red Sea in Arizona. Uh, Matt. What I mean, it's it's my what's on your mind, and I obviously uh, we had a pretty interesting uh, just development there, and just because there was so much hype around JJ Watt being able to go and uh, be a player for one of these contending teams, you know, people are thinking, oh, he might go back home to Green Bay, he might go mm-hmm. pair up with TJ, um, and uh, why am I blanking? And Derek Watt in Pittsburgh, yeah. he might be going to Cleveland and, you know, kind of helping build that squad that they have going there with the Browns. Buffalo was another one. Buffalo, Buffalo? Was, yeah, Buffalo was another one. But ultimately, he ended up signing a two-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals on Monday. And all the speculation and everything was just kind of floated out the window. And I think it was an interesting decision for him to go there, but I like it. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what your feelings are on it, but I do think. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, my guy Chandler Jones has been doing his thing in Arizona for about four years now, four or five years now. Uh, since 2012, the two NFL sack leaders over that eight nine year span is Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. Yeah. So the Cardinals now have what is what should be the most dominant edge rushing duo in the national football league without a doubt without a doubt i mean chandler jones is just notorious for getting after the qb he uh you know a bunch of strip sacks he's just he he can he can make any offensive lineman's day just an absolute nightmare and jj watt has the ability to do the same i mean both of them have aged a little bit um chandler jones's rookie year i believe was 2012 so he's entering year nine and uh 2021 jj watt i can't think of one 2011 so one year older yep so he'll be going into his 10th year um and so what you have is two veteran experienced pass rushers and now have they are they past their prime are they entering their prime jj jj might be 
a little bit past his prime with all the injuries and whatnot, but still a great player. And if you if you go back and watch his tape from this season, uh, he, he was a very serviceable player, no doubt about it. I remember watching the Patriots-Texans game, and J.J. Swat even made a little bit of a reemergence. He had like four deflected passes in that game, so he yeah. still has the potential to, um, you know, play at that level that he did you know back in like 2014 and uh some of those early years when the texans had a a squad with guys like matt schaub and andre johnson and arian foster and jj watt was a guy who really anchored those defenses that year i know they had some other guys like brian cushing there who were just monsters and they had a ferocious defense and uh he's not quite the same player as he was then but he still has that ability to uh play at that level and you definitely saw it this year and I think I think matching up with a guy like Chandler Jones is a good move for JJ Watt because that also kind of takes some of the pressure off JJ Watt. Uh, you know, yeah. no matter what, JJ Watt may have a bit of a bad game, but you know Chandler Jones is going to be out there doing his thing. Chandler Jones gets like double digit sacks every season, so um, I think I, I think it's a great move yeah. just just based off of the duo that they formed. I like it. Yeah, I think you can, we can kind of also talk about it in reverse in that Chandler Jones or. Yeah, Chandler Jones helps J.J. Watt because now they have right. to pick a really you have to pick a side of the line of scrimmage that you want to that you want right. to, you know, kind of try to neutralize. And are you going to go after the older, probably probably has more miles um, taken off of his career than Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt to try to stop him, given the impact that, you know, he can have? Are you going to try to go after who I still view to be probably one of the best yet most underrated pass rushers in the NFL in Chandler Jones. Yeah. I think the, uh, oh, J.J. Watt going to Arizona is not good for him. I thought he was trying to win a Super Bowl. He's, you know, why would he do that with his, given his injury history, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. I would like to bring into the attention of many that despite um, playing only eight games in 2016 and 2017 seasons combined, J.J. Watt has put together two full 16-game seasons in 2018 and 2020. And in 2019, he played eight games. This year, he played 16, had 52 tackles, five sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. The the guy can still play. He's still a hot commodity for any team that is willing to pick him up. And I just want to say this. In 2020, he also added a touchdown to that resume something he did multiple times in 2014 when he even saw the offensive side of the football. Yeah. He is, I mean, 2014 he is just such, was just crazy. Yeah. He is such a playmaker. He's such a game-changing figure that I think just by his addition, by his presence in the locker room, Arizona upgraded significantly. And I think yeah. it's going to be a match made in heaven. I think that they're really going to see, okay, figure out which side you want to take. The other guy's going to get after the quarterback. And we might see a bit of a different Arizona defense this season because of it. Yeah, I mean, they they have arguably the best leader yes. in the NFL on yes. their team. Maybe not, maybe not uh, you know, because guys like Drew Brees are known for their exceptional leadership and guys like Tom Brady. So maybe not in the entire NFL, but the best defensive leader. Yeah. Uh, is I think without a doubt is JJ Watt uh, and you know just you look at all the off the field stuff he did during Hurricane Harvey and uh, you know just he's just been he's he's just built such a reputation for himself to be a an outstanding individual he's won some Walter Payton Man of the Year awards so he brings 
you know, he, he just brings a different type of attitude to that Arizona locker room, you know, because you look at Arizona last season, they were good, but you got to imagine down the stretch of that season, it was a little frustrating in that locker room. They started losing some games down the stretch. They had, a, uh, they, they had some tough losses there to the John Wofford-led Rams, and I believe they lost to the Niners down the stretch, and uh, they blew what was a pretty good standing that they were in. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if they're going to find themselves in a similar situation next season, having a guy like J.J. Watt, I think, will allow that locker room to stay composed and stay focused on what's most important. That's ultimately – the the next week the next game yeah so yeah i think uh he kind of got that title um, of best defensive leader when uh luke keekley retired because i i highly i think very highly of luke keekley but once he he once he retired i think uh you know i think i think if luke keekley was still on the panthers we might be able to see them do something if they were to get a quarterback i i do yeah i think i I think that uh they're in a position I, I really like. If you guys haven't noticed, I'm a big Joe Brady fan. Um, I was kind of advocating for him to be the Jags head coach before Urban got signed on. Um, and I also really like Matt Rule. I think what they're doing there in Carolina is similar to what I think is going to happen in um, Jacksonville with that college head coach, college regime kind of coming to the NFL, trying to put together some uh, magic for the NFL franchise that is yeah. Carolina Panthers. So. Um, I'm excited to see what they do going forward. But anyways, I, I do think um, that Luke Keekley, special talent. It's you know It sucks that he got away from the game early, but you know good for him. At least he was in a position yeah. to be able to do so, and he was kind of like, you know, um, he, he kind of pulled the Andrew Luck. So it was um, yeah. definitely interesting. No. It's a, Yeah, guys like him, Patrick Willis, Calvin Johnson, Andrew Luck, just guys who have retired early. Yeah. Uh, it, it's sad, but um, you know, ultimately they make the decisions that's best for them because that that's what's most important at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. I don't, I can't think of one press conference I saw from any of those guys where they weren't, you know, they they weren't happy to be retiring. But mm. it's the this, especially Andrew Luck. I mean, that that was, above all, I think that one hit the hardest. And yeah. but I, I agree with what you're saying, especially when you talk about like. Joe Brady and Urban, these college coaches. Uh, what I like about like the Jags and Panthers taking this route is the youth of the roster. Yeah, you know, you you're not going to see a team with a an older, average age roster go after that type of uh, coaching staff. But yeah, uh, you look at the Jags and the Panthers, two of the younger teams in the league. I think uh, the Jaguars paint, aren't the Jaguars to, the youngest team in the NFL. I, they should. I don't see how they're not. Yeah they should be um yeah okay sorry i think so i'm not i'm not entirely sure but i would say yes if not they're top three but i bet the panthers are right there too yeah i agree i think so too um i I think i think the only thing that could i mean obviously they've gotten rid of guys on the defensive end um they you know they have uh they just like go trey boston he was you know yeah i saw that i think i think yeah i think we're right Mm-hmm. we're just gonna all right we're gonna bookmark so, this correct um, oh anything I, else yes I, I i do have something else and it's kind of transitioning us into our next um our next segment uh tonight i will be going to the florida basketball game uh with my good friend donovan kaiser who recently got into the university of florida so big round of applause for donovan or you know congrats donovan i don't know you but congratulations yeah. um, i'm a hopeful transfer to a school so uh, <laughs> i always like hearing about kids that 
uh, make it in that in that field. Yeah, for sure. So for congrats, sure. congrats. But yeah, so um, I'm going there with him tonight, and what we're doing beforehand is we're going to get dinner, and guess where we're going to get dinner? B-dubs. Our unofficial sponsor of Firehouse, oh, Firehouse. Subs. Oh, now they have the sponsor. <laughs> I, we're look Firehouse. Look, we will make you guys sponsor us. <laughs> We will keep saying that you are a spot. We are, we are not going to give you any other choice. All right? <laughs> Consider this a warning, Firehouse. Consider this a warning. Sunshine State takes is coming. Yeah, this episode is going to get taken down within like 15 minutes after, <laughs> <laughs> after it's published. Um, Dude, so those guys on their house on the river, they're, they're going to be like, yo, this, this like podcast is saying that you guys sponsor them. <laughs> and they're saying they're not giving you any other choice. And I'll be like, what in the world? And they're going to listen. Hey, who knows? Maybe they find it funny. Yeah. I think that, like, yeah, like, how could you not find it funny? <laughs> if they sit there and be like, oh, this is awful. I can't believe these kids are saying this about us. Like, I just, I don't, why would, why does that have to be the, added, I, we're clearly sitting here laughing about it and having yeah. a good time. So yeah. I hope they could find the, the space in their hearts to <laughs> enjoy it and laugh along with us and yes. sponsor us. <laughs> there's, there's Matt's pitch for Firehouse to, to, Find your humor, and yes, yeah, and just laugh un- a bit. <laughs> laugh at us and live, laugh, love. <laughs> Bro, have you seen the commercial where it's like, um, where it's the guy trying to teach the homeowners not to be their parents? Yes, the guy is a guy commercial, right? <laughs> yes, dude. And it's like live, laugh, love. Sonny throws it in the trash can, and she's like, no cussing, no fussing. And he like takes it and throws it in the trash can too. It's so funny, dude. I like the I like oh the, when it comes to those kind of signs. I like the ones that say like my worries are few because my blessings are many. I think that that's like far and above my favorite one. I had friends at UNF last year that just like took a a white loose leaf piece of paper and would just write those phrases on them and hang them up in their room. That's so and funny. they had one, they had one that just said my worries because my blessings are many i'm like that's a good one i don't that's, think i've seen uh, that but i like that one a lot that's really i like good. that one a lot that's really good um so th- yeah. this all started with firehouse trying to sponsor us yes and that all started with florida gators basketball game and we're talking about college basketball college basketball these yes. transitions man i'm I transition powerpoint doesn't even have transitions <laughs> this good no at all is powerpoint gonna is that yeah, we just find power, another it's power, it's power, microsoft in general yeah, Microsoft. Oh, now you know. We'll see. Bill Gates, come on. Yeah. Where you at? What are you doing? <laughs> you don't. You don't listen to All sports right. podcasts, Bill. Probably not. Definitely he likes. Not. I, I think he's a Seahawks fan. So is he? He's probably. Well, isn't he from Seattle? Uh, it's either him or Bill Nye. I think Bill Nye is a Seahawks fan. Dude, Bill Nye, the science guy. Is that is that our next sponsor? So is Will Ferrell. I think Will Ferrell also likes the Seahawks. Sponsored by Elf. <laughs> Sponsored by Gimbals. <laughs> You'll take a walk on over to Gimbals, buddy. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from that movie. Yeah. Again, in the Christmas spirit a little bit. But anyways, the game that I want to focus on, um, we had a four versus two matchup last night, Illinois versus Michigan. And I've been watching – I've been increasing my college basketball intake these past few weeks. I've watched a good portion of, of Michigan's games. Um, you know you know me. I'm a Big Ten fan in football. I also like Big Ten in basketball. Uh, so that's been my conference of choice over these past few weeks. I caught that Michigan-Ohio State game, and uh, I saw some good things from both teams, but ultimately Michigan was just able to turn on the Jets. And, uh, you know, over this past couple of weeks, you know, Gonzaga's the clear-cut number one, but yeah. 
Michigan has certainly earned that number two spot up until they met Illinois last night where they had to go up against the likes of Kofi Coburn, who I think is a top five player in the country. That guy is just incredible. Um, I, I watched him for the first time and I thought, why isn't this guy getting Zion type attention? I mean, the big build, the ability to make the plays in the paint. Uh, and then I thought, oh, well, he plays for Illinois. So there's that. Um, but in Illinois did this, uh, this this blowout win last night. They did it without one of their best players. I'm not even going to try his name. I'm not great with names. If you guys listen, I know that. Ayo Dasunmu, I think is how you say it. Um, but he, he he's one of their better players, and he was out. But they were still able to get a 22-point performance from Trent Frazier. Uh, Trent Frazier balled, to, dude. He did he's ball He's the guy I want to talk about a little bit. Yeah, and the thing with Michigan is they, they have some good guys on their team too, and everyone just had an off night. Eli Brooks... I mean, he I believe he was their leading scorer, but he only had 11 points. That's a, that's a bit of an off night for Eli Brooks. And um, I think you could argue, I saw Dave Portnoy tweet, like, this is a good loss for Michigan. It'll help him in the long run. I feel like that's what every fan of a dominant team says after they have a blowout loss late in the season. Like, you could definitely argue that maybe this is a loss Michigan needed to have, uh, you know, just to kind of put, put them back down to earth a little bit before they begin this conference tournament run. But um, I also don't think this was any type of accident whatsoever. Illinois is legit, and they're, they should move up to that two spot. I know Baylor had a pretty impressive win last night over West Virginia behind a good game from Jared Porter, but uh, Illinois, I, I think Illinois, well, this win certainly helped in their hopes of getting a one seed, but I don't know how you don't watch Illinois just beat the brakes off Michigan last night and not think they're a Final Four team. I, I think I, I think it's a given. I mean, you, you look at the Big Ten, especially coming into the Big Ten tournament, Ohio State's taking a little bit of a step back. They, they've suffered some pretty bad losses. Uh, Purdue has been getting better. Uh, they beat Wisconsin last night. Wisconsin is hanging around the top 25, but, uh, you know, it seems like they can put a couple wins together and then they'll drop a big game. They, and they got some good guys on their team. I, I like Micah Potter a lot but they're, they just haven't been able to put together that big stretch of games that's really been able to put them over the hump. They're not the same Wisconsin team as years past when yeah. uh, you know guys like Nigel Hayes and Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky were just balling out. Uh, but I think Illinois right now is the best team in the Big Ten. And I think uh, you know just, just uh, Kofi Coburn alone, I mean, I am such a huge fan of this guy. I think he has the potential – to take that team far in the tournament. So I don't know what your thoughts were on that game. I know you said you want to talk about Trent Frazier. Uh, he needs to be talked about with his 22 points. So I think I'll let you take it. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, Trent Frazier was just, I don't know what it was, but the dude, I, so I didn't actually get to watch this game, but I did get to watch some highlights. And yeah. every time he touched the ball, that, that Illinois bench was just waiting for something spectacular to happen. Yeah. Every time he touched the ball, they were just ready. I, I don't know. That obviously, when you get up big in a game like that, you're gonna be you're gonna have that excitement. But it was just even early on. Trent Frazier touched, or yeah, he touches the ball, and he just provides so much juice that Illinois really needed to take down a powerhouse like Michigan. Um, he yeah. played in 34 minutes, shot seven for 18 from the field, 22 points, four rebounds. And one assist. I mean, he was he was rather efficient in his playing time. Um, he was complimented by um, 
it's uh, Andre Curbelo. Uh, he yeah, went, came, came, came off the bench, had 17 points, yeah. 11 of which in the first half to really gain that separation early on. Uh, played in 19 minutes overall. So, I mean, he almost averaged a point per minute while in the game. Shot 8 for 14, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. Talk about efficiency. I think that this Illinois team were just able to put together a solid – their offensive end was what was is going to be talked about. And I think 46.2 is what's going to stick out. 46.2 is their percentage from behind the three-point line. They were yeah. able to knock down the shots from downtown, which is what you need to do against the Michigan team. And what's impressive is if you look at the stat sheet, not a single bench player attempted a three-point shot. Yeah, yeah. And and Demonte Williams, who is one of their best three-point shooters, uh, only attempted three and made one, and he only had seven points. Yeah. The guy shoots fifty-three percent from the field, and he yeah. didn't have a big night last night. And they still won by 23 points. Yeah. I mean, that, that at the end of the day, that's what we – I feel like we've been seeing that in college basketball all year long. It doesn't have to just be one guy. I think there's right. a there, there's been a big shift in terms of, like, I don't think there's – there's no Zion. There's no John nope. Morant. I don't, exactly. I don't see it. I see a bunch of guys that are good. Um, the guy from Oklahoma State, I forget his name. He, that's been, he's been balling recently. I think points. I you think, don't see that in college basketball. No, you, you don't. don't see Forty points, rarely. And so I think that you know you got guys like that. But at the end of the day, it's been a team effort through and through throughout the yeah. 2020, 2021 uh, college basketball season. And but where Illinois really won this game is was just their smothering defense against Michigan. I mean, Michigan shot thirty four point seven percent from the field, twenty eight point six from behind the arc, and they just got dominated on the boards. I mean, yeah. Illinois came out 42 rebounds to Michigan's 26. Uh, they just they were able to just consistently beat them in nearly every facet of the game. They went up by 28 as their largest lead. And I think when you're able to dominate, when you're able to control the game against a team that's considered the second best team in the nation the way Illinois did, it's – like you said, it's hard to look at them and not say that's a Final Four team. Yeah. This game really kind of emphasized the fact that Illinois has the opportunity to take a step towards prominence in NCAA and possibly make it to the Final Four, if not pass and into the championship game, saying they you know, can beat a Michigan yet again. Cause I do think these two teams will be put at opposite in opposite brackets because of right. the, you know, head, because of these head to head matchups that they've had throughout the season. Yeah. I and just can't they're both good too. Obviously overall, I just can't, I just can't believe the overall dominance of the big 10 in college basketball this yeah. year. They've been really you good. Look at the, and this is not updated rankings yet, but Michigan at two, Illinois at four, Iowa at five, Ohio State at seven. That's that's insane. Ohio State struggled recently, though. They've been they starting, have. they've been they, kind of they dropped dropped a game to Michigan State. I believe they lost to Iowa two the other night. Yeah. Or the other day. Yeah, yeah. They, they they've had three straight losses. Um, but we all know how good Iowa is with uh, Luca Garza. That guy has been around for a little bit now, and he is as consistent as it gets. Uh, Wise Camp is still there too. He, he's he's a solid player as well. So I always got a good team. Um, the thing with the big, with big 10 basketballs, they just like to play that big man physical type of game. I feel like I, it's weird. And I was trying to explain this to one of my friends the other day, but I feel like the way big 10 plays football and the way big 10 plays basketball, it's, it's undescribably similar. 
I feel it's like. just they play very physical. Yeah, if that makes sense. It's, so yeah. like obviously in football they have they're the they're gonna grind it out on the ground. They're gonna power, overpower you. Yeah. They're gonna try to be those you know hard nosed teams in college basketball. They rely they they play a much more old school style. They don't come down yeah. the court. They're not jacking up threes. They're kind of mm. playing inside. They're getting their big men involved. They're facilitating with their guards, and their guards are more traditional guards in terms of they're not yeah. being able to do the things like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard. But they're being able to yeah. you know be the guys like uh, I don't know if this might not resonate with a lot of people. Um, but Andrew Nimhard, what was he was f- for Florida in terms of him being able right. to be a pass first guard, and so yeah. I think that I understand what you're saying there, and it's it's a much more um, old school yet hard to defend because of the physicality that they present because of the big bodies that they consistently employ onto the court. They're being able yeah. to just dominate in these facets in these facets, which are not only going to kind of help them in their conference play but moving forward when these teams that are have dominated by being able to shoot the three-point shot they've been able to you know kind of live or die based off these fast break opportunities when you get a team that slows it down like the big 10 likes to do and be a much more uh kind of um what's what's the word i'm looking for kind of much more uh it's kind of like a methodical pace right it's going to be hard for those teams to defend and which i think is ultimately going to result in a lack of i think we see it a lot it results in a lack of um, execution on the offensive end because you start not being able to get in that rhythm you start missing those three-point shots and when that happens you start to see a bit of a scoring drought occur which against these big tim teams you cannot have scoring droughts because it's already hard enough to score defense you know when you're coming down the court offensively because of what they present and now this is not a big 10 team I'm about to mention, but you look at our, the most recent college basketball national champion, the Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah. They played that similar game. They slow the game down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, elite defense and they make it frustrating for the other team on offense. And that's what I feel like I see from a lot of these uh, big 10 schools. So as we get back, you know, after a year off from the tournament, what I'm going to keep a look on or an eye on in this year's March Madness tournament is, you know, what team does that the best? Who slows down the game the best? Now, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Gonzaga once on this show. Gonzaga's 24-0, and they have some studs on their roster. And who knows? At the end of the day, Gonzaga may just be the clear-cut best, and they might cruise to that championship. They are. Um, but I, I also think of, like, uh, I also think of teams that have finished the regular season undefeated in years past and, uh, you know, Wichita State in 2013, I believe. They they didn't they didn't even make it past the second round, I don't think. Uh Kentucky in twenty fourteen, they ended up losing in the final four. Uh I don't has there been a team since to go undefeated? I can't think off the top of my head. I know Kentucky and Wichita State for sure. I'm not sure. Um however um, I do know that I don't think Gonzaga's undefeated to me is different from a Kentucky's undefeated. Because Gonzaga hasn't Gonzaga continues to kind of be overlooked, which is crazy to think about. But, yeah. like, they're not the topic of conversation. They're expected to do what they've been doing. Yeah. Kentucky was always like, oh, this Kentucky team is going to be, you know, they're going to be the best team to ever play college basketball. I mean, uh, look at what John Wall and Anthony Davis have been able to do. And, you know, things like that. Right. I think we're not seeing that from Gonzaga. We're seeing much more uh, – it's a, it's a much more consistent basis of production for Gonzaga yeah. – for Gonzaga, that makes them kind of 
in a different light of the teams like Wichita State and Kentucky that have gotten to that point mm-hmm. and then ended up losing it. Now, that's not saying Gonzaga's going to 100% roll through the pack. They're going to find some more difficult competition down the stretch, yeah. but they possess so many facets. They possess so many skill players and so many skills as a team as a whole that it could be difficult to be able to take them down come March Madness, come tournament play. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. We're nearing the home stretch. What conference tournament should be starting this weekend or yeah. soon? I don't. Uh, 10, no, no. March 10th through 14th is SEC. Okay. Cool. So that. we're we're getting we're getting close to March Madness. Uh, we're also getting pretty close to the NBA All Star break. Yeah. Uh, we're nearing the the home stretch of the first half of the season, so we haven't been able to talk a whole lot of NBA. We were gonna have a segment on the struggling Celtics. Um, we could still focus on them, even though they came away with a win over the Clippers last night, a good hard fought win that was much needed for them. But as this first half closes, let's kind of just like improv and talk here. Like, what have you seen in this first half that you liked or who's impressed or who's disappointed? Uh, Just overall thoughts on the first half of the season. Can I just name the teams that have impressed me? Like, yeah, just, uh, and I'm not really going to give a basis for why they've impressed me. Actually. Yeah, I will. Utah, no one expected them to be 27-8 and eight and be the best team in the NBA at this point in the season. Phoenix, who expected them to be 23-11 and 11 and have the second seed in the West over teams like Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Clippers, Portland, uh, Denver even. I mean, they have been dominant with CP3, and I think he once again proves that his addition can really take a team to that next level. Um, uh, I want to say Golden State because they don't have Klay Thompson yet. They're still the eight seed, and Steph Curry's been fantastic i know you're not a big steph curry guy but we have to we have to give him credit where credit is due i'll He's get a, fantastic i can give year. i can i can give my my piece on steph in a second he's, but i'll let you keep going over he's now. been balling dude and it's hard to yeah. say he hasn't philadelphia 76ers i think the fact that they're in first is they're finally reaching that full potential can they continue it throughout after the all-star break i'm not sure but at the end of the day they are a uh they are a team that is impressed me because of um, the talent that they possess, and now they're being able to put it together. The New York Knicks, your New York Knicks, are now fifth seed in the East, which I could not, I would have said they were going to be down there with the Orlandos and Detroits of the world Imagine. at the beginning of the year. But that that was a spectacular, um, you know, they've been great. And so overall, I think those are the teams that have impressed me the most. Charlotte Hornets being the eighth seed, I can also throw in there. LaMelo Ball has been kind of doing his thing uh, as of late, so... Um, Terry Rozier has been pretty solid for yeah, them too. Yeah, Terry Rozier and LaBella Ball have kind of been that uh, one-two punch and for Gordon them. And Gordon Hayward, so. they have a little bit of a squad there in Charlotte. They yeah. haven't they haven't a hundred percent put it together yet, but they've uh, they've looked promising for sure. Yeah. Um, so Steph Curry, I'm not the biggest Steph Curry fan, but Steph Curry this year has done what I've been wanting to see Steph Curry do for a while, and that's that's carry a team without four superstars around him. Yeah. Uh, so, Steph, so Steph Curry's gained my respect in that in that regard. No Clay, no KD. Uh, and Draymond's you know, kind Dray- of been shaky Draymond, on the offensive end. Draymond in and out. Uh, he got he's been ejected a couple times. You know, just classic Draymond stuff. Uh, actually, I mentioned Terry Rozier because he had that game winning shot against the Warriors a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a game in which Draymond got ejected down the stretch. Um, but yeah, Steph Curry has been fine this year. Uh, he he's been balling. Uh, and they, the Warriors have certainly had their issues. Kelly Oubre was just like absolute from from behind the line to start the season this Dude, year. It was so bad. Um, yeah, not good at all. And uh, James Wiseman is, you know, 
I kind of I've liked what I've seen from him, but he's still got some work to do. And that team overall, it's just it's nothing near what they've had in the past. I mean, I'm just looking at this roster. Uh, Kevin Looney, I know, has been in there having some playing time and uh, Brad Wanamaker and Andrew Wiggins. We all know the story with Andrew Wiggins just never really panned out, found a home with Golden State. Uh, so it's it's a it's more it's a much more of a makeshift roster than it was, you know, from 2015 to 2018. And uh, Steph Curry has proved that he doesn't necessarily need, uh, you know, those guys around him. Would it help? Obviously, it would help. Who wouldn't want to have Clay and KD and Draymond? But and is it going to be a bit more of an uphill battle for the Warriors? Yes, but Steph Curry's proven that he's up to the task. So yeah, um, I've come ar- I've come around this, a bit this year. Yeah, overall those are the, those are kind of the teams um, I've found to be impressive. Uh, can I can I kind of walk through the teams that I've thought? I mean, even Brooklyn being the number two seed after you know having a bit of a struggle early on in the uh, Harden, uh, Irving, and Durant era, even with Durant not playing, I think that's that's impressive, right? Yeah. It's, no, and yeah, and, and they're right on they, the heels of the 76ers who had a pretty How many games have they how many games have they actually all three of them been healthy in the lineup together? Dude, I couldn't tell you. Not a lot cuz Kyrie likes to K- sit out and KD's been hurt. Um, KD's played 19 games, Kyrie's played 25. James Harden's played 22, but some of those have came with the Rockets. Right. Um so yeah. And I look at when I think of the Nets, I think about their game against the Phoenix Suns. They were losing by 20 plus and with just James Harden on the court, they yeah. didn't have Kyrie. They didn't have KD. The Nets came back and won that game. Now I know they had a similar situation this past weekend against the Mavericks only Harden on the court and the Mavericks kind of pushed them around a bit, but uh, you know, if the Nets can still do damage with just one of those guys on the court uh, come playoff time when they're in their full groove. Yeah. I, I personally think the Nets are going to catch the Sixers and probably end up winning the East by, a bit of a wide margin. The Bucks are still good. They just seem a bit more inconsistent this year yeah. than they have the past couple of years. So, yeah. well, I think at the I think it's a matter of the Bucks continuously. Not I, I don't want to say they're refusing because they're not the they're not the Packers, but there's something about Wisconsin teams not wanting to give some their star players another star. I don't I don't yeah. know what it is. Giannis is not going to be able to win by himself. And with Chris Middleton as the number two, Chris Middleton's not. Chris Middleton is a great role player. He can do what he needs to do as it's in terms of being able to just – I think he's overpaid, but I do think he kind of maximizes what they want him to do. Right. But when – I don't know. I, I think in general it's just kind of a – They've yeah, kind of I mean, they've kind of been lazy with going after guys for Giannis to be able to compliment Giannis. The roster isn't super attractive to me. No, it's not at all. Um, you know, Giannis playing with his brother is a good story. DJ Augustine is a solid, you know, another one of those role players, but he's not a game changer. Um, Drew Holiday was a decent addition, but he, I like Drew Holiday. I do. I like him. Uh, and then Brooke Lopez, I've you know. Since his days with uh, the Nets, I've been a fan of him. Yeah, but he's better um, than his brother. A, I can't stand a, Robin Lopez, dude. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I cannot stand him. But I like yeah. Brooke. I like Brooke a lot. But Brooke's a bit older now and, you know, not necessarily the same player. Uh, I don't know. That roster definitely could use some work. And uh, the fact that they're still third in the East with Giannis 
I mean, that, that alone is a bit impressive given... Well, I mean, the East isn't incredibly packed this year. Um, there's, you know, there's there's Philly, there's Brooklyn, there's Milwaukee. Then there's a little bit of a drop-off. I do think uh, if Boston can get it together soon, they should kind of join those three as, like, the fourth, you know, legit contender in that conference. But Boston just hasn't proved that yet. Um, you know, they, they've had some struggles. Tatum had to miss some time with COVID and uh, Peyton Pritchard was injured and uh, guys like Jeff Teague and Daniel Tice have been inconsistent and uh, Grant Williams and they, they just haven't, you know, at times it's the Celtics have just seemed like it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and everyone else. I mean, Kemba Walker has been a shell of himself this year. Yeah. He has not been the same player at all, but um, I, you know, maybe the all-star break is a, a something that will benefit the Celtics. They'll have time to get those guys healthy, take a much needed rest. And I think when they return, they can start making their run a little bit because I'm telling you guys like Peyton Pritchard is a promising player. Yeah. He, every, everything I've seen from him this year, he's looked very good. And who, you know, it's just a matter of, they need to play Carson behind. Edwards more. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Carson good. Edwards guy. Yeah. So. We've talked about him a good bit on the show. And I, um, I think um, it's it's necessary for me to shout out my two Celtics fans, Drew Seibel and uh, Ethan Aldridge. They are, I didn't know Drew was a C's fan. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, yeah. they, I, I was having a conversation with them the other night, and I was kind of just being um, very toxic in terms of my <laughs> in, of my uh, appreciation for uh, yeah. yeah for Carson Edwards. So um yeah shout out to them they've uh definitely given me opportunities to talk about carson edwards when everyone else would look at me like i'm crazy so it's uh yeah it's great so yeah the celtics have just had a rough go of it uh you know they lost to the mavericks on that luca buzzer beater just an absolutely insane shot uh they blew a 24 point lead in the fourth quarter the pelicans ended up losing in overtime they had a very they were beat down by the atlanta hawks they just have not been that same team that made it to the eastern conference finals last year um but the thing with the east is you know four through eight you win a game you move up from the eighth seed to the fourth seed you lose a game you know you could drop from the fourth to the eighth seed they're all within a game of each other right now that's what happened to the knicks last night heading into their game against san antonio last night they were the fourth seed they got their butts kicked without uh, Derrick Rose and Mitchell Robinson and Taj Gibson in the lineup, and uh, they fell to six. So yeah, um, the East is going to be very. While it's not a very, while it's a top-heavy conference this year, uh, there's still a very small margin for error in those four through eight seeds. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I think it'll be a bit more entertaining than the West down the line, just because it's a lot more younger talent competing for playoff spots um you know we we have a pretty good idea of what these teams in the west are all about um obviously can utah keep it up but every team that's currently in a playoff spot in the west is over 500 and uh, the grizzlies and mavericks who are those nine and ten seeds are also over 500 so um you know but i feel like that's how it always is in the nba you know, the West is always good top to bottom, and the East struggles a bit more. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really surprised to see it this way this year. Definitely. I agree. I think um, I'm excited for the All-Star break. I think it gives everyone an opportunity um, to kind of get some rest. Obviously, with the quick yeah. turnaround after the weird uh, COVID-riddled year that was faced last season, 
uh, you got you get guys that are have really played a lot of basketball in the past what eight months. They're going right. to be able to kind of take that much needed rest um, to kind of ben- and they'll benefit from it overall. Yeah. And so it's going to be. Um, it, it gives I'm ready every- to... you, you keep going. I was going to say it gives everyone a chance to get healthy. It gives everyone a chance to really regroup. Um, and as yeah. they start what really is one of the most important pushes in basketball as they start to uh, cruise into playoff ball and in, in the yeah. coming months. Yeah. I'm excited to see my guys OB Toppin in the dunk contest yeah. and Julius Randle in the all-star game. I think before we close out this show, let's just do a little lightning round of questions. Uh, some yes or no's just, just to see how we're feeling about the second half of the season. I'll ask the first one, and these are all off the top of my head. Um, do the Lakers go back to the finals? Yes. Yes. Let's see. Knicks make the playoffs. Yes. Yes. As Good a, answer. As a as a late <laughs> like a like a late uh, clinch, maybe yeah. even last game clinch for the seventh or eighth seed. Because yeah. I just well, don't. They're... I don't think the uh east has a lot to be able to combat what they've been doing and if they keep playing like this they could be a five or four or five seed but i think seven or eight i mean they just got to keep relying on their defense yeah so do the jazz finish the year as the one seed in the west yes i think they do i think they might have a chance to get taken over by the lakers late even maybe the clippers but i do overall think the jazz have if they if they replicate 75 percent of what they've been doing through the first half then yeah Okay, and then we'll finish with this one. Joel Embiid for MVP. No. No? No. You going with your guy, LeBron? No, because LeBron's expected to do what he does every year. So he gets – he's he's he should be the 13th. This should be go, going for his 13th in a row, but, you know, that doesn't right. happen. So I think uh, yeah. I think it's important for um, LeBron to just not – obviously, I don't think LeBron cares, but I don't think not he wins it. No. Nah. He doesn't. At this point. He, I don't I don't know. I mean Joel Embiid's definitely a favorite. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I, don't I think there's is up there. I don't really know who I'd give it to right now though. There's a lot. Because I mean, and this is a little biased here, but like we can't just not act like Julius Randle isn't having the season he's having. Yeah. And that the Knicks wouldn't be the team that they are if he wasn't, you know? So yeah. there are definitely some dark horses and it's it, it's too early to tell right now. There's a lot of season left to play. I'm a I, I've I've really liked obviously I don't think he's put up um, MVP numbers but I have really liked what Donovan Mitchell's been able to do this year. Yeah, so. I mean he's a uh, he's been consistent these past few years. I think the Jazz are just looking for some vengeance in the playoffs this year after, yeah. uh, you know, because I I was listening maybe it was first take or whatnot, but it was just really unfortunate that the Jazz had to go up against the Nuggets in the first round last yeah. year. Those are both teams that you know. Should, both of them should have made it to the conference finals or at least the conference semifinals. They, the fact that they met in the first round, it was just really unfortunate that one of those teams wasn't going to be able to make it past, past the first round. They were yeah. both better than a first round exit. And unfortunately it was the jazz who got kicked, but yeah. you know, once it's seven games for a reason, I think the jazz are looking for better results this year. And I think this start that they've gotten off to is, you know, prove that they are where they're where they want to be and they they're confident in what they have on their team yeah so yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna, to I'm gonna punch in uh a way too early mvp kind of well not way too early but mid-season mvp kind of 
um, prediction here. Uh, it's it's not very I'm not it's not very much of a hot take, but I think Nikola Jokic, the Joker, I think okay, I think he takes it. He's kind of yeah. he was he, the guy I was kind of thinking about, but I was like I don't know. And then I looked I just looked at what he's done this season. Yeah, and, he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, um, Zion even has been playing very well. Yeah, but I don't know if he'll get MVP consideration. No. Obviously, you got Luka Doncic up there as well. Um, the Mavericks got off to a bit of a slow start, but if they pick it up and he plays some good basketball down the stretch and kind of elevates them back into, you know, one through eight seed yeah, somewhere in there, he could get consideration for it as well. I think he's someone I believe that could win it earlier, like before the year started, I thought he was in a good spot to be able to do so. So yeah, Yeah. I agree. He's had a good year. They just, the Mavericks as a whole have not been that same team. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. We're reaching the hour mark here. So it's probably time for us to, start wrapping it up but we will be back on friday and you know spring training's underway baseball's kind of getting back into the swing and we're gonna uh we're not gonna do what we did last year where we do a full mlb preview but we're thinking we're gonna go with the american league this week and maybe the national league next week and uh we'll we'll see we're gonna take some time to plan but expect some baseball content soon yes sir all right thank you all for listening um we will catch y'all on friday friday is yep. going to be the day um yeah uh we th- want to thank our sponsors uh firehouse being one uh microsoft microsoft being another and uh, bill nye the science bill guy nye the science guy being the last so yeah and and buddy the elf oh buddy the, yep buddy the elf as well yeah. that's true yep yeah. all right well awesome thank you to we, all could, our sponsors. we wouldn't be where we are today without you guys no we would not literally without microsoft we wouldn't be able to do this yeah exactly i am currently on microsoft without firehouse i wouldn't be getting dinner tonight um without buddy the elf i wouldn't be i wouldn't have the christmas spirit in me all the time um and then without bill nye the science guy i wouldn't know that the mitochondria is the the powerhouse of the the cell cell. exactly exactly Exactly. so So, um yeah you know that just just absolutely life-changing people uh and dan campbell if it wasn't for dan campbell i wouldn't know how to bite someone's kneecap off. <laughs> I wouldn't know that if I get knocked so. down, my goal is to bite their kneecaps off on the way up. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you guys next time.